Do you ever wonder what it's like on the other side of the couch? Do you ever get curious about the conversations therapists have with one another? Or are you a therapist who loves to hear others talk about our work? If the answer is yes to any of these, you're in the right place. This is Therapy Talk, the place where therapists discuss therapy. I'm your host, Rachel Landman. Join me each episode where I invite my colleagues in the field to come discuss the work. Good morning, Christina. Thank you so much for joining me this morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. Um, so Christina, why don't we get started by having you talk a little bit about your uh, professional and educational background? Sure. So I received my master's from City College of New York in Harlem in 2013. And I did uh, about six months working at a mental health-based homeless shelter within the New York City shelter system before I transitioned into another nonprofit that worked in conjunction with Family Court. So there I completed uh, MST therapy where I worked in the home. And the whole goal of our program was to keep children out of detention centers. After about 18 months there, I went back to working in the shelter system where I worked in a shelter where we focused on domestic violence and family trauma. And one of the things I noticed through my whole time here is clearly a line uh, trauma connecting everything, which caused me to want to get outside of those systems and work in a group practice. Um, and that's when I came to Human Told, which was five years ago. So I've been here for quite a while now. Yeah, it's it's been a while. <laughs> it's crazy how fast time passes. Um, what's your educational background? So my master's is in mental health counseling. Before that, I got a BA in um, psychology from Long Island University. So those are the primary pieces. I also have a minor in art history, which was just an interest of mine. Okay, great. Do you ever use it? Um, not for compensation, but for myself. <laughs> I paint and draw on my own and I enjoy traveling and seeing art in my free time. <laughs> okay, great. Awesome. Um, what drew you to becoming a therapist? So I actually found the counseling world kind of by accident. So when I started school, I was an, I was an art therapy major. Um, to be honest, I didn't know a lot about art therapy. I just liked art and I liked studio art. And right before the college application process, I got really nervous about going to art school and just about the idea of having to create on someone else's timeline and having to support myself that way. And I kind of picked art therapy on a whim. I thought, oh, I like helping people and this is creative and sounds like a quote unquote real job. Um, so for the first year, I was an art therapy major and I did enjoy it. And I really liked the studio classes, but I felt a little limited. I started really enjoying my psychology classes and I just felt like, <clears throat> excuse me, at a very narrow spectrum of interest. So I switched to becoming a psychology major and started talking to some people I knew, family and friends to see what they did with the uh, degree. And I thought for a while I might get a PsyD and become a psychologist. And then I realized that I really wanted to spend more time working and not in school. And the idea of becoming a mental health counselor kind of got posed to me by a family friend. It wasn't very popular at the time. So I feel really lucky that I had someone in my life who told me about that as an option, because I remember feeling a little lost, being like, what do I do? How, how do you actually become this? Um, and it wasn't very clear. There's like social work, maybe, but that seemed really different from what I wanted to do. 
And then a doctorate seemed like a really big, big thing to take on when you're like 21, 22. So everything I kind of say was like a happy accident. <laughs> One thing led to another and it worked out. <laughs> and do, do you, are you happy with those choices? Do you ever regret them? No, I actually think about this a lot because it was this kind of happy accident. Um, and I think that uh, at this point, I'm just really happy with everything. I don't think I would have enjoyed producing art for compensation. And I think that I would have felt limited as an art therapist, even though I think the work they do is amazing. I just think I, I've always had a lot of interests and I just think it would have been hard to stay in the box. Um, so I'm really happy with how things turned out. And no one in my life was that surprised either. So maybe it wasn't something I thought about. Like in school, you're so young when you have to pick what you're supposed to be doing for your whole life. But a lot of people, when they find out I've become a therapist or people during the process when I was in school, were like, oh yeah, I could really see that for you. So um, that was kind of nice just because I do feel like at that age, it's hard to think through all of your decisions and some things really are happy accidents. Yeah. Yeah, like me calling you randomly on your lunch break, asking yeah. if you'd come and work for us instead. Yeah, I had a very frustrated meeting where I was so frustrated with the process where I worked and I felt so limited in my ability to help people. So I thought, oh, let me just see what's out there. And two hours later, you called me. I think I interviewed throughout the week. You pretended to have many dentist appointments to come into work late so I could interview. And I was working for the practice within, I don't know, two weeks after that. So it's just funny how things fall into place sometimes. Yeah, it seems that way. It seems that way. Um, what is your main philosophical and clinical orientation that you like to use as a therapist? So I think it took me a long time to figure this out because I think in graduate school, you get told you're really supposed to pick something, um, which to me, I just don't see how that translates for everybody. I usually tell people that I work from a pretty existential approach and I bring in a lot of feminist theory, a lot of psychodynamic theory, and I'm very client-centered. These are like the little kind of like box, uh, toolbox I've created. I, I do feel like I use a lot of things, but for the most part, I just feel like I'm really getting, what I'm always trying to get to is how to help someone be their most authentic self and feel good in being that. And I feel like for that, impact so many other things in their life and psychodynamic theory and feminist theory things like that are just things that I'm using to explore to try to help someone get maybe closer to that end result um I always think I think we have like a really different idea of what being like self-actualized looks like um and I think that sometimes we hold ourselves to unrealistic expectations about that so I really like the approach that I take where I'm like you could still be yourself you could still heal and you also don't have to be perfect all the time. I think there's a lot of perfection right now in like self-help and wellness and mental health culture. Yeah, absolutely. I hear um, a lot of people use the term feminist theory or being a feminist therapist. And, and I think there are different kinds of interpretations and ways to use that term. And I'm curious, how do you define being a feminist therapist? And what does that look like when you're with a client? That's a great question. And I think it took me a while to put that phrasing in my marketing or to know how to talk about it because I couldn't put my finger on it. Like I just knew this was something that I was passionate about and it was something that I had studied, but I didn't know how to explain how it evolved in my work. And one of the things that helped me realize this is something I'm using, this is an orientation I view all my interactions with from was spending time and realizing that I felt like we couldn't get anywhere without 
exploring the structures that exist in society around us. So we're talking about feminism, we might be talking about patriarchy, but we're probably also going to talk about racism and social justice. And um, I guess another way to describe it too would be like anti-capitalist therapy. So I think that, you know, I see a lot of clients that uh, work in the female earth. So we might spend a lot of time talking about gender, but I think it can evolve into being really intersectional too. And I think while on an individual level, we might not be able to combat all of these really oppressive structures on a personal level, client to client, help be help understanding how they're impacting the client's life, understanding what they've maybe internalized from these structures and understanding small acts of like radical rebellion or how to be more affirming towards themselves. I've found it's like very imperative for them having a good outcome. I feel like sometimes, especially in my work in a nonprofit, we might be really honing in on like a behavioral issue or symptom and we're missing all of the stuff around it. And for me, I found that working with feminist theory, particularly like trying to make sure that my sources are intersectional, helped me understand my client better and help my client understand their experience um, in the world a lot better. So in a way, does that mean that you externalize some t- some of the experience that you have rather than assuming that they're all your fault it's more about understanding well but you also live in this oppressive society that puts all these limitations on you there is a part that you couldn't have controlled or it's not really your quote-unquote fault and so we kind of externalize what clients may internalize as false. Is that kind of what it means? Yeah, I think that's what it looks like a lot in practice. So on like a more individual level, if you're supporting a client through something, we might look at, yeah, these the factors that are happening external from them, and then look at how that's impacted their internal experience. This can also be really helpful for like externalizing ideas of shame and guilt that maybe don't need to be there. So uh, for instance, I have a client that I've had clients in the past, not currently, who, you know, are exploring their relationship to sexuality, or they have a lot of feelings of guilt and shame around dating. And they'll really see all these things as character flaws, like deeply internalized personal flaws within them. And then we start discussing um, sexuality in our culture, or how gender differences and socialization and how women or people who are girls as children are taught to approach sex and pleasure we see that a lot of this stuff is not a personal failing. It's a lack of a, a lack of knowledge, a lack of being taught appropriate things, and in some cases, just outward societal shaming. And I think it helps people take the focus away from themselves in some of these big picture ways and put it outside of them. I joke there's like a rage period where you just start to see how many things are like that you've internalized are actually external issues. Um, but I also think it's really helpful to not walk around thinking that all the experiences you're having are all on you. Because we interact with tons of people every single day and accountability is important. But I think that a lot of the interactions we have are not necessarily about us. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think that is so important and definitely something that's quite misunderstood around the feminist theory because a lot of people who don't like even the term feminism they're like, no, that just means all about women or <clears throat> all about um, women's rights, but it's really not. It, 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 of course, includes women's rights and and it is 
also about women, but it sounds like it's mostly about empowering people and um, clarifying systematic discrimination in every different, in every form and shape. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because I know so far in our chat, I've spoken a lot about my work with women. Women tend to be more drawn to my profile. So my caseload has always been heavy with women, but I've done, I think, what was really meaningful and successful work with plenty of people who identify as male who uh, using feminist theory. So I think that some of the most meaningful therapeutic experiences have been people that were drawn to my profile because of that, who maybe weren't sure what feminist theory meant or weren't sure if I was the therapist for them. But we, as we kind of go through our talks and we talk about masculinity and their concepts of patriarchy and just the ways it hurts everybody, I found that that can be really helpful. Like you said, for everybody, not just, it's not just about women. Yeah, but that there, it seems to be quite a bit of a difference around what we politically hear feminist is and, and what therapists use when they talk about feminist theory which kind of refers more to the older way, I think, than the newer forms of feminism. Um, But the bottom line is it's about empowering and understanding how systems work and how they keep you trapped. Um, That's what it sounds like based on what you're describing. Yeah, that is exactly what I would describe it as. And I think you're right. There, like anything, there's been a journey in the writing and the knowledge. And I think we probably have, there's probably a lot of misconceptions of what feminist theory used to look like or has been in the past. Absolutely. Um, Are there any last thoughts that you'd like to share today, Christina? Any last thoughts in particular? I don't think there's anything in particular. I think that uh, the piece that came from this conversation for me was looking external outside of ourselves for some of the internal things that we're having. Uh, certain internal, internal feelings that we're having. And I think that a big theme I've seen is a lot of us just walking around with a lot of shame and really negative narratives about ourselves that don't need to be there. And then if you're someone who's experiencing those things, it can be helpful to look around at the world, your life, the people in your life, to just consider who you feel really good around and who you don't feel really good around and what things trigger those feelings and what things make those feelings go away. Because I really do think that, you know, most of us walking around are not inherently flawed people. And that a lot of those things we see as flaws in the right circumstances can be positives or can be things that people really love about us. Um, And I would just encourage people to kind of consider things outside of themselves as well. I know there's such a focus right now on fixing ourselves, which is important. But I just think when we ignore all the things going on around us, we're missing a bit. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but maybe doing MST therapy, which is a form of therapy that talks about systems in people's lives, helped me uh, kind of move into this thought process. That's surprising to me because I felt very restricted in a model-based therapy, but maybe it did have some lingering impact on the way I practice. I hear that. (laughs) Definitely hear that. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time today, Christina, and chatting with me. And I hope we'll talk soon. Thank you.